0: Welcome health enthusiasts. You're tuned in to Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio, your one-stop shop for all things health, wellness, and innovation. We're here to shake up the status quo in health, making it sustainable, equitable, and, and also patient-centric. I'm Greg Masters, your co-host and executive producer, and I'm joined by the digital health aficionado himself, author, global thought leader, and might I add, in his executive capacity, steward-servant, Gil Bash. Together, we're on a mission to bring you the people, the ideas, and the companies that are not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. On today's menu, Gil chants with Gita Nair, MD, MBA, also known as Dr. G., Dr. Nayar is a nationally recognized leader in health information technology, a physician executive, a frequent sought-after public speaker, and author of Dead Wrong, Diagnosing and Treating Healthcare Misinformation Illness. So with no further delay, Gil, the mic is yours.
1: Greg, thank you so much for the gracious introduction. And and also, uh, I just want to note that to our listeners, uh, Greg and I had a very special show a few weeks ago. We talked about Greg's son, his son, Tony, who sadly, tragically uh, died in a a bicycle accident in Brooklyn not, not too long ago. And Greg's experience watching the medical system, not as a health professional who's dedicated his career to public health, but as a parent of of an adult child in a um, really a trauma center and dealing with the whole dynamic of of who's in charge of the patient who was in charge of his son Greg we're we're thinking of you Uh, we thank you we know you're dedicated not just to this show but to all people's health and that we're channeling um, healing thoughts to you and your family at this time. And we have a very special guest on our program today, Dr. Gita Nayar, who everybody knows, if you've ever been to any major conference and looked up at the main stage, uh, Gita has certainly walked up there to, to speak with us and to illuminate us with, with thoughts about the future of, of health information. She has been a passionate advocate of medicine and the role of technology for, for some years. And a role at, at places like ATT, most recently as chief medical officer of Salesforce. And she's now the author of a compelling new book that's coming out. We're going to ask her about that dead wrong, um, in which she really deals with one of the most fundamental challenges facing the global health system at this time, which is the aspect that I think all of us have a responsibility for or take should take responsibility for the role information plays in in decision-making, good, bad, wrong, dead wrong, and indifferent. Gita, thank you so much for joining us on the program. Congratulations on the new book. I understand that the website for pre-orders goes live um, in just a few weeks, and that we can expect to see books in our uh, mailboxes if you're ordering now sometime in mid-October. I'm excited about this. I've had a chance to see some of the publicist's work. This is a very important book, I'm certain, based on your experiences. And and I just wanted to kick off and ask you, um, what was the catalyst? What was the catalyst for saying, I've got to write this book? The world needs to read these words.
2: Well, first of all, Gil, Greg, thank you so much for having me. And I I really appreciate that question because let me tell you, writing a book is a little bit like having a baby. It's exhausting. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of anticipation and anxiety, but it is very much coming from a a personal space. And I would say that, you know, I, I think as a doc, as a doc in tech, having lived through and trained through the HIV AIDS epidemic, then having gone through the pandemic and now being in a post-pandemic world where I see and have seen a repeat of mis- and disinformation in healthcare really, really causing lives in a way that is so preventable. It is infuriating as a physician to feel so useless, to feel that patients get to you too late in the game. And I, I really do. I remember in my 20s, training at George Washington in D.C. at the height of the HIV AIDS crisis. And patients would come in and just be so misinformed about the way HIV was transmitted, the stigma associated with it, and just simple preventative measures that could really save a life. And then circa 2020, seeing the same thing again, and what felt like worse, because i it was like, haven't we been to this movie before? And so really, the, the book really starts out with a personal journey, the personal motivation for why I wrote the book. But it started really in my 20s in D.C. as a doctor in training to now being in a position of power, being in a position as a healthcare leader to make a difference. And, and so I really did dig very deep. I had a terrific partners in this book, Jack Murtha and Thomas Castles of Change. We wrote the book together. And the book is full of stories from everyone, from Anish Chopra to Megan Rainey and Peter Hotez. So we have included everyone's story. And this book is truly for everyone interested in
1: healthcare. What, what a lineup, by the way, Nishan and Megan. You really are um, sort of the circle of the greats in terms of of public health and technology, where your life intersects. You know, I, I was just thinking about this, and uh, you know, often I was asked to comment and interviewed about the misinformation system. And, you know, just watching, of course, all the different stations. Each station, all well-intended. CNN, MSNBC. Um, you know, each one having good intent. And yet, you know, each one has their expert on. They have their their sort of like their their Kashev experts. Each expert has to be edgy. Each expert has to be entertaining. Each expert has to offer it, sort of a different twist on the information. And I was saying to myself, how in God's name can someone in government public health really compete with, you know, the, the sort of like the whole cascade of like, I have a a unique point of view on mask, no mask, vaccination, no vaccination. mRNA safe, no, mitocarditis, no. And, And it goes on and on and on this swirl. And I'm almost saying to myself, are we in a situation because of the edutainment component of news, can we ever really get our arms around authenticity or the singular scientific voice of reason to guide us to a true north? I mean, what do you have a prescription for this? I know Gita, you're you're really at that nexus of government, information, business, and medicine. Um do you do you have a band-aid for us at least?
2: Well I, I definitely take a stab at it and without giving away the, the end of the book, look, it's it's about a multifaceted approach. And what I would first what I would first say is this is a post-pandemic book. So this is not a book about the pandemic. This is to say We're in a post-pandemic world. Hopefully, we've learned something. And remember, myths and disinformation is chronic. It was here long before COVID. Like I said, HIV, AIDS, how you get pregnant, diabetes, cancer, you name it, there's a myth for it, right? And the one thing we have to remember, and you bring up a good point about the media, is trust went up and down during the pandemic. People trusted the media, then they didn't. They trusted pharma, then they didn't. They trusted their neighbor and then they didn't, right? But the one thing statistically, the one person that that patients trust, consumers trust, is still their doctor. 57% of Americans trust their doctor. So what does that mean? As a healthcare leader, with AI, with EHR, with CRM, with social media, with TikTok, how do you amplify that relationship? How do you amplify the voice of the doctor, the voice of science away from all of the noise? And unfortunately what's happened is we have not used technology tools. We as healthcare leaders have not looked at public health and said, hey, making that vaccine wasn't so hard. What was hard was the communication, was the mass scale communication. And remember at the end of the day, this is always a personal decision. Individuals are vulnerable. And so how do you do it in a reachable, relatable way? And that's really where healthcare has fallen down, whether it's in marketing, whether it's in the EHR, whether it's CRM, and now it's AI. Right? You know, How can we use AI for good, not for evil? It's the same across the board. That's now the era we have to be asking these
1: questions. Well, that's a tough question. I just want to step back for a second. You know, I had this conversation with uh, someone we both know, John White from WebMD. And, you know, he he really also crosses the sort of different communities between industry and medicine and information. And, he, you know, he's passionate about public health and people's well-being. And I, I always sort of marvel at the fact that we didn't use tools that you've learned from your career why didn't we mobilize you know the opportunity to bring together the health professional community pharmacists nurse practitioners physicians in in some sort of saying look we, we need to have sort of two hours with the entire medical community and sort of talk about what are the core messages we've got to share at least on the highest risk factors and I'm just shocked at a time where, and you you know this from your 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 past work with CRM, customer relationship management, we don't see the physician or the nurse or the pharmacist as a customer of society. We we kind of see them as this uh, do this do this people. No, do that, do this, and we don't even look at how we used pharmacies effectively as as points of care. How do we we equip the pharmacist? How do we even help the, the pharmacy tech get on message. Our system is so broken and fragmented. And so I'm just curious from your perspective, and I know you don't want to give away the end of the book. It's going to drop on October 17th, I believe. I'm going to be pre-ordering my copy. I'm eager to see it. Um, but do you think that we've gone so high tech at times that we forget we're still dealing with people and that that physicians and health professionals are people That want to be brought into the loop. They want to help. They actually do want to help people live healthier, longer lives. And we kind of gloss over them. We think grass, grass tops, like let's let the CDC director speak and you'll all step into line when we forget that medicine is still a grassroots profession. 100%.
2: First of all, you do not have to buy the book. I will be sending you and Greg a book. When I have the book, you will have it. It has to be
1: signed, though. It has to be signed.
2: You bet. You bet. And thank you Uh. for that that compliment. Look, we are living in an era of physician burnout, of nursing shortages, physician shortages. 333,942 doctors have left the profession. 40 to 60% report feeling burnt out at some point in 2021. And I have been one of those physicians actually. So we're talking about half of the profession. It's actually what motivated me to enter the health tech field to say, how can we do better? This is actually holding physicians back. And like many physicians, I've said to myself, well, you need a physician because physicians understand it. So the era that we're in now is how do we do more with less? With less doctors, less nurses, and really it's the best opportunity for technology to help save us if used appropriately, right? Scale and automate the things that should be scaled and automated, which is a lot of administrative stuff, prior authorization, documentation, billing, coding, none of that is stuff doctors want to do. The problem is they're bogged down with it and it's taking away from patient care and it's contributing to burnout. So now it is a question of how does, how do technologists, whether you're a CIO, a CMO, a CFO, a CEO, how do you engage your physician staff, leadership, chief medical officer, just like you did during the pandemic. But remember every day is a crisis. Every day is an emergency in emergency room. So how are you addressing this at its core and using technology in the places it should be, which are primarily the back end, to then allow the front end to happen and look, TikTok, social media, AI, these are amazing technologies if used correctly. You don't have to hang on the word of the Surgeon General. We have doctors in every zip code, we have nurses in every zip code. They are largely heroes locally, to your point. Their voices are not amplified. You know, one of the case studies in the book is the Cleveland Clinic. Interviewed Adrian Boise, her experience as a chief experience officer, also the head of their marketing and communications division. And they've done a brilliant job. If you look at the Cleveland Cleveland Clinic, talk about storytelling in mass to drive patient engagement, right? It's not marketing is just cute. Marketing is now patient education. It's how we do prevention. If you don't know what a flu shot is, you're not getting it. If you don't know what a mammogram is, you're not getting it. And doctors don't know how to do that stuff. They just knew this, they just know the science. So, how do you connect the technology with that trusted voice, with that trusted partner, and help them be the storytellers where patients will truly come to them and actually be able to go see someone? It's not just Dr. John Doe on on TikTok, right? It's your doctor that belongs to X System that you can actually go see if their advice did not work out. Or if it did work out, you could actually. Follow up on the appointment, right? You're accountable. And I think that's the difference.
0: Just dropping in, you're right on time for Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio. Today, we're chatting with Gita Nair, MD, MBA, aka Dr. G, author of Dead Wrong, Diagnosing and Treating Healthcare Misinformation, Illness.
1: Yeah, it's so true. You know, I think part of it is expectations and language. Um, you know, I, I don't want to harp on COVID. Certainly, it, it, you're you're absolutely right. This has existed for for decades. Misinformation. Some of it comes from expectations and fear, um, and some of it comes from the fact that sometimes medicine uh, pretends to be all knowing and unfortunately isn't. You know, physicians are are. Are human as well. They're certainly very knowledgeable, and there are some physicians like you who are extremely knowledgeable. Others who um, would like to believe they're they're knowledgeable, but but you know they just want to give an answer. And I, I think that there's a divide in terms of our medical community. But you know, I was thinking of this sense of of two things you were saying. One, the courage of a physician to say, "I don't know." And uh, but let me tell you what I'm going to do so we can find out that that's a skill that I don't know of is treated as much in uh, trained uh, where physicians are trained to say to their patient that I don't know, I'm going to have to I'm writing that down. I'm going to I'm going to find out We'll get back to you. That's a skill that I sometimes don't find enough in medicine because of the need to feel that you're forwarding the action. That's one on one hand. The other hand is um something that again you're you're immune to you are inoculated against because of who you are your journey your personality uh the type of people you hang out with like Anish chopra who i think the world of you know who really is just a, you know he's a great mind he's a great american he's a great innovator and he's also a technology geek and and so you take people like that like you who are so comfortable with innovation and change and and you put you hopefully people like yourself in positions of, 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 of responsibility, H- how many doctors really truly are as comfortable with technology a- as you might be, or, or Megan might be, or John White might be. And I think that you're um, you're maybe, maybe not an exception to the rule where you understand that medicine and innovation or technology are in harmony with each other. Uh, how much training does a doctor really get during their medical school period in technology. I'm not talking about telehealth. I'm not even talking about EMRs. I'm just talking about how to mine technology to work more effectively. I'm sure it's not even a course. I'm sure they get a few hours. And and you are intuitive in this. And I wonder if we need to sit back and use your book, Dead Wrong, and your experience um, I'm not saying you should become a professor of medicine and, and go back to your roots at, at Georgetown or I think University of Miami or places like that. But I'm wondering if um, can we clone you and stick you into the medical school training process like, you know, sort of lessons from from Dr. Nayar for medical students. Do you see where I'm coming from? I think that um, you and and your cohort are really where we hope medicine will go and and maybe it's not
2: look i think it's a terrific point and i certainly hope the book is going to be used for for just that and you know that i do a lot with the university of miami and we are certainly actually some of the medical students are in the book um, and and featured and actually one of the the art is actually done by one of the medical students that is pre-med and a pre-art major that i mentored so i definitely hope this is part of a conversation in medical school and you're right one of the solutions is certainly training in medical school but but let me also bring it back, right? Because it is so easy to blame the doctor. That is fundamentally what we've done in healthcare. And it's and it's not fair for a couple of reasons. So number one, remember that from the administrative side, the first technology any physician has run into is the EHR, right? Which I think at this point we can all agree was not done, was not implemented well or correctly. It was largely motivated by a government mandate, but not because of a capitalistic process where the best vendors one, right? In fact, contributing to burnout, part of the contribution to burnout is bad tech. So remember, the end user is rightly so pushed back on technology that's not ideal for the work that they do. Number two, the question about do physicians like technology or innovation? Doctors are nerds. We love innovation. We love technology. Look at the da Vinci robot, the MRI, the stethoscope. We are introduced to technology every day, but we adopt it like any end user when it's good and it makes our day and our work better. The difference is the EHR has not done that. You know, the thing that we talk about in the in the doctor's lounge, every doctor, when they get to the doctor's lounge, it's, hey, so let me give you my workaround. Let me give you my workaround, right? I'm a rheumatologist. So let me give you the best workaround for lupus, the best workaround for rheumatoid arthritis. Now, if I'm a product person who built the product that every end user is talking about working around, I should feel hurt. I should feel like, why are they all working around my technology? It's in the word. So we as an industry have to do better. We have to do better and we have to listen to the end user. If our end user is burned out working around our tech, the tech is wrong. It's so easy to blame the end user. And I have no stake in an Apple product. But when you open an Apple product, do you get trained on that? No, you just open it up and it works. and It's very intuitive. Do you know how many hours of training go into an EHR? There's nothing intuitive about it for any end user, for any clinician, so much so that they have to learn it and then come up with ways to work around it. So I think the answer is not blaming the doctor, not blaming the nurse. I think this phase of health tech has to be done with doctors and with nurses. The next era of tech we must understand from the end user what is the problem we're solving so that we don't solve one problem but create three new ones that didn't exist, which is what has happened.
1: By the way, just as a little joke, since we're on video and nobody can see this, of course, do you know what this is?
2: Oh, my gosh. That No, I do not know what that is. I think that may have been before my time.
1: This is an Apple product. So, so our, to our listeners, I'm holding up the Apple Newton. This was the really John Scully's greatest investments that uh, unfortunately didn't succeed. So even Apple, I save this as a reminder that even great tech can sometimes fall short. We had a wonderful guest on the program just a few weeks ago, Dr. Alana Yurkovich from Stanford, and she has a book out also, uh, precedes her book called Fragmented. And, um, you know, uh, Gita, you and Alana should get together ourselves, kindred souls. Now, she talks about the fact that the EMR was not invented with with physicians in mind or patients in mind. It was invented with policy in mind. And, and you touch on that so, so effectively. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm eager for your book to get out. I know that often with a book, there comes the, um, the speaking tour. And this is the pre-speaking tour to the book. So we're thrilled to have you on the program talking about this. But, you know, you also understand data. In a very significant way, you've come out of an organization that is really known for technology, um, intelligence, um, using data to connect to customers, using customers to connect to customers. Uh, You know, in the time we have left, I really would appreciate your sharing with us something hopeful because you're you're a very upbeat person. When you get up onto that main stage, you never leave an audience down. You leave them with a sense of it's gonna get better. What do you think is gonna get better?
2: Well, Gil, thank you for that. Look, I think we have nowhere to go but up. We have survived a pandemic. We have learned a lot and we have so much tech. It's mind boggling when we look at all the things happening with artificial intelligence, machine learning, Natural language processing and good old TikTok CRM and the EHR to boot. The trick will be how we use those tools. There is no dearth of technology. It is the human part that remains humbling and difficult. So, this time we just have to keep that front and center, truly, truly front and center. And it's very important to remember the patient experience is tied to the physician experience. We cannot leave our physicians and nurses out in this phase of health tech. That will be the difference this time, is putting the technology in the right places at the right times to keep people first. That's the ultimate goal, is we want to keep the humanity in in medicine. And the trick to do that is asking the people who do it every day and know it best, and that is your physician leaders, your nursing leaders, and the patients.
1: Yeah, Let me stay with that for just a second, because we're kind of, as consumers, um, archivists of our own health records, and that leaves doctors kind of in the lurch also. we We sense at this point that it's really a billing tool more than anything else. The intent of the doctor is, I really would like to capture this patient's history so that other doctors pull from it a lot of the data that's in an EMR is repetitive and redundant. So you know we have this electronic tool that's designed to capture information where the staff, to your point, feel way too stressed and overloaded to use it. I'm wondering in a final word, if if you could say, how how would you like us to really engage in in information to sustain and save lives? If you could say in a perfect world, let's focus on this one thing and move on it, what would it be?
2: Make the life of the doctor easier
1: and more intuitive
2: and better and you will do the same for the patient so for example when there are 16 things for me to click on or all kinds of documentation that i don't do because i need to or it's meaningful but because the ehr requires it for prior off for billing for coding whatever it might be but it has nothing to do with the actual clinical encounter or clinical information let's automate that stuff let's remove the things that are not necessary And let's give the doctor tools to educate the patient, right? Because we say only, we can only say so much in an eight to 10 minute visit that you maybe get once a year. So how do I create a blog for my practice? How do I create a social media presence? How do I use CRM to meet the patient when they might need? And how do I rinse and repeat the things that are really automatable and scalable, and ultimately, there is a lot of information online, but the advantage that you have with your physician is, number one, it's your trusted, remains the number one trusted person relationship in, in America. And number two, it's personalized to you, because ultimately, personalized medicine is where the industry is is going.
1: Gita, Dr. Nair, congratulations on the upcoming publication of Dead Wrong. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this book drop. We're looking forward to reading it. And we're looking forward to having you back on the program. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much, Bill. Thanks so much for having me.
0: And that, dear listeners, is the last note for today's Melody. A huge thank you to our worldwide listeners for tuning in. For more information or to access on-demand replays of our work, go to HealthCareNowRadio.com and select Health Unabashed from the Programs tab. We stream live three times a day, Monday through Friday at 10.30 a.m., 6.30 p.m. and 2.30 a.m. Eastern or 7.30 a.m., 3.30 p.m. and 11.30 p.m. Pacific. For more information or to order Dead Wrong, Diagnosing and Treating Healthcare Misinformation Illness or to keep tabs on Dr. Go to www.drgeetanayyar.com and follow her on Twitter via at drgnayyar. Stay social with Gil and me on Twitter via gil underscore bash, and that's B-A-S-H-E, and Greg Masters, MPH, and that's Greg with two Gs, and don't forget to give your tweets some zing with our hashtag healthunabashed. Until we meet again, Pursue your passion for better health and no apologies.